welcome to Books Are My People, a podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode number six. It is very hot in Los Angeles. We are experiencing a bit of a heat wave. I am melting. I am staying inside where it is cool and I can stay hydrated. The chickens are doing well in the heat so far. I've been giving them some table scraps. They enjoy watermelon. And what else have they eaten? I gave them some eggs, which is a little bit cannibalistic, but they ate them all. And I gave them some black beans, which they demolished. Hopefully they weren't too gassy. Do chickens even fart? Please hold while I look up this information. Turns out, according to the interweb, chickens do not pass gas. What else has been going on in my life? My kids are finally back in school. I have an eighth grader now and a fifth grader, and I just can't believe how quickly time is passing by. But we had a really nice summer. We spent it in California, but we got to explore a lot of California up and down the coast. And I'm ready for a little bit more of a schedule and routine around here. On to bookish news. So the first little bit of bookish news is about me. Um, I will be teaching two classes coming up this fall quarter. And the first is Young Adult Novel One, which I'm teaching at UCLA Writers Extension Online. And that runs from October 2nd to December 10th. And in this class, you will write the first chapters of your young adult novel. And there's going to be a lot of workshopping and talking about what makes a great opening to a young adult novel. And I'm also teaching a course in person also at UCLA. It's a young adult novel intensive, and it takes place over two weekends. One is in October and one is in November, and you can find out more at uclaextension.edu. On October 5th, I am leading a two-part, three-hour workshop titled Pitch Ready, Revision Strategies to Get Your Manuscript Pitch Party Ready. It's going to be at the Torrance Airport, and if you know me, airports make me very anxious, so this could be very interesting. Um, and this is brought to you by CBWLA, Children's Book Writers of Los Angeles. And I'm going to leave a link to all of these courses in the show notes section of the podcast. And also you can find it at my website, jennifercalogaris.com and at booksaremypeople.com. I'm also conducting a giveaway this month. I am giving away one copy of the brand new book, Marilou is Everywhere. It's not super brand new. It came out July 30th, and it's by Sarah Elaine Smith. And NPR writes that this novel reads like a miracle. So just a very quick synopsis. It is about a 14-year-old girl named Cindy who lives with her two older brothers in rural Pennsylvania. And her mom is pretty absent from her life. She kind of has to raise herself. She doesn't have a lot of adult supervision. And 
Uh, when a glamorous teen from a more affluent and cultured home goes missing, Cindy decides to slip into the missing teen's life and basically replaces her. So um, she has this new life. She's surrounded by books and art and finally a mother who is paying attention to her. So um, this book can be yours. All you have to do is like the giveaway post, which is up on my Instagram page at Jennifer Calogaris. Leave a comment, tag a friend, and subscribe to my podcast. I will pick a winner on October 1st. Okay, on to some bookish news that is not about me. A novel family is running a hashtag read what you own for September, which I'm super excited about. So the idea is that we dive into books that are just sitting on our bookshelves that have gone untouched instead of getting new books. So I am going to be reading from my little library cart where I keep all my books that I have not read, and I am encouraging everyone to do the same. There was a great article recently in The Guardian about the unveiling of a letter in which T.S. Eliot rejects George Orwell's Animal Farm. The letter is from 1944, when Eliot was the director at Faber and Faber, which I did not know that he had that job. You can read the actual letter in the Guardian article, but he was very complimentary of George Orwell's book. He writes, we all agree that it is a distinguished piece of writing, that the fable is very skillfully handled, and that the narrative keeps one interest on its own plane. And that is something very few authors have achieved since Gulliver. So reading that was very humanizing. I think as writers, we all get a lot of rejection, and that is just part of the deal that we've signed on to. So Animal Farm was rejected at least four times before being picked up. The letter is one of more than 300 items on display at the British Library at their new exhibit called Discovering Literature 20th Century. Now, on to the books. My first pick is The Gifted School by Bruce Holsinger. It is a book that looks at the competitive nature of parenting. It takes place in Crystal, which is an affluent, fictitious city in Colorado, and it's about four friends who all met when their kids were babies. There's a doctor and divorced parents who have consciously uncoupled and are parents to twins. Uh, there are also two Emmas, Emma Q and Emma Z, and there's a widow raising two challenging kids on her own. So the inciting incident is that a public magnet school for gifted children is going to be opening and all the parents begin scrambling, trying to maneuver so that they can get their own kids into this school. Um, they all have to study for this exam called the COGPRO, which stands for the Cognitive Proficiency Exam. And the book is about the competition between the kids for sure, but mostly about the competition between the parents, the whole admissions process and the portfolio reviews that are involved. And on a larger scale, it explores themes of class and race and privilege and what it means to be gifted. Another character is the grandson of a Peruvian woman who cleans some of their houses. And 
The book looks at what opportunity means for different children. I was interested to learn that Holsinger is a professor at the University of Virginia, and he specializes in medieval literature and culture. And I guess his last two books have been sort of written historical fiction during medieval times. He definitely nailed the competitive culture aspect of this novel. Um, if you're looking for a read-alike to Big Little Lies or Little Fires Everywhere, I think you will enjoy this book. And again, that is The Gifted School by Bruce Holsinger. My next pick is a nonfiction read. It is called I by Isaac Mizrahi. So this is an autobiography about the famous fashion designer and personality Isaac Mizrahi. And my favorite part of the book was definitely the first half where Mizrahi talks about his childhood in New Jersey growing up in a Syrian Jewish community. And he writes that he stuck out like a chubby gay thumb. His mother loved high fashion. She wore fur trim and leather, and his father was the owner of a children's wear business, so you really get to see where his fashion sense and interest came from. He remembers asking for a Barbie doll when he was six, and he talks about having a pretty lonely childhood. He was teased by classmates, he was teased by rabbis, and he used to steal money from his father's wallet and go to the discount bin of the local trimming store and create these elaborate puppets. And that's really how he dealt with all of his feelings um, by putting them into his puppetry and by creating. As he gets older, he is allowed to take the subway to Manhattan and go to the High School of Performing Arts where the movie Fame was filmed. And he talks about his small cameo in Fame because they used a lot of actual high school students in the movie. So when I was reading this book, coincidentally, both my kids were in a production of Fame the Musical. And I watched the movie to remind myself about the story. And there was Isaac Mizrahi looking so young and fresh faced. It was pretty funny to see. In the second half of the book, it moves towards the fashion industry and uh, celebrities that he's worked with. Mizrahi is a smart narrator. He is a huge reader of classic literature, and I really like getting to know him a bit better through the book. Again, that is I by Isaac Mizrahi. Oh, and I think this would make for a great audiobook. I think it's always fun to listen to autobiographies as audiobooks. Next is a middle school pick titled To Night Owl from Dogfish by Holly Goldberg Sloan and Meg Wolitzer. Holly Goldberg Sloan wrote the young adult novel Counting by Sevens, which we tried to listen to as an audiobook on a road trip once, and the first chapter was way too sad for my children, and we had to turn it off. But I would like to go back and read it on my own. And Meg Wolitzer is, of course, one of my favorite writers. She wrote The Position, The Female Persuasion, The Tenure Nap. I've read all of her books, and I love them all. Um, this is an epistolary novel about two girls who become friends online, and the setup is that, uh, that there are two 12-year-old girls. Bet lives in California. She's 
a surfer girl type, and Avery is an aspiring writer living in New York, and they find out that their fathers have been dating one another for three months. Their fathers have decided to ship the girls off to nerd camp together, and the dads hope that their daughters will bond, but the girls find out about this plan, and they make a promise to not speak to one another at camp but they do end up doing a lot of communicating through letters and emails. And that is what we, the readers get to read and get to know them through their writing. So of course they do end up getting closer and bonding due to their mutual meddling in both their father's lives. This is a book about diversity. It's a book about family. It's a book about sisterhood and it's really sweet and also in places really funny. The voices are totally nailed, and I just wonder from a writing perspective, since it's written by two authors, if they each picked a character to voice and kind of worked the novel out that way, or if they wrote both of the voices together. I read this to my kids as a read aloud. I still read to my kids every night, and my 10-year-old just couldn't wait to see what happened next, and he took the book and he finished it on his own, so then I had to do the same. It reminded me a bit of The Parent Trap, um, and even though the protagonists are 12, I think it's totally appropriate for ages 10 and up, and the epistolary nature of the novel makes it very conversational and makes for a quick read. And again, that is Two Night Owl from Dogfish by Holly Goldberg Sloan and Meg Wolitzer. My next pick is Lock Every Door by Riley Sager. This came out July 2nd and was slated as the big summer suspense read. So in this book, Julie Larson is a millennial who's down on her luck living in Manhattan. She's recently discovered that her boyfriend's been cheating on her, and so she needs to move out and find a new place to live. She answers an ad for an apartment sitter at the Bartholomew, which is a fictional very affluent apartment building overlooking Central Park, and it houses the rich and famous. And it has a lot of lore to it as well. But in her interview to be a house sitter, she learns that there are very specific rules, and they're also a little bit suspect. Uh, She's not allowed to have any visitors. She's not allowed to spend any nights away from the apartment, and she is not allowed to speak to the other residents. So she really needs the money and she thinks the apartment is fantastic and that this is a great opportunity. So she takes it. She makes friends with a fellow apartment sitter named Ingrid. And the book really takes off when Ingrid disappears and Jules starts digging around a bit deeper into the Bartholomew's past. This is a suspense novel with touches of gothic. There's even gargoyles and it's pretty creepy and it is currently in development to be a tv show so i think if you like suspense novels with a little creepiness involved um, and quick reads this is the book for you it is called lock every door by riley sager my last pick is the vexations by caitlin horrocks And I picked up this novel because it is about Eric Satie, the composer and pianist, 
Um, I have been playing classical piano since I was about four years old, and I thought it sounded really interesting. It's a historical, fictional account of his life. Eric Satie is a French composer. He's most famous for his series of gymnopodies, which were quite experimental for the time. The story really begins when his mother dies in 1872 and follows how this changes the course of their lives. His father is overwhelmed at being a single father, and he leaves the children with various relatives and disappears only to return later with a new wife, who take Eric and his brother Conrad, but they don't want his sister Louise, so they send her off with their great uncle. The story is narrated by many characters, which I think mirrors sort of the fragmentation in Sati's own music. And his separation with his sister definitely wreaks havoc on his psyche. It's a story about Sati's life, but it's also about Bohemian Paris and the life of a struggling artist. We see him struggling in his music to create something successful, but he also really wants to write something new. And we know that he does succeed through his gymnopodies and other music, but he's sort of never aware that he's done something revolutionary. And the looming World War I is also a backdrop to the novel. Sometimes when you read a historical novel, it's very obvious that the writer has done a ton of research because it feels a bit like an information dump, but I felt like the writer did a great job slipping in little details, and she clearly knows her stuff about the time period and about Satie's life, but it felt very organic to the story. And that is all for this week. I am currently reading Small Animals, Parenthood in the Age of Fear by Kim Brooks, and you can visit the show notes section of the podcast if you would like the names of any of the books I've talked about today. Don't forget about my giveaway for Mary Lou is Everywhere on my Instagram page. You can email me with comments and questions at booksaremypeople at gmail.com, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week.